Brought to you by JMR Rentals. JMRNY.com. Now you can support No Rest of the Weekend by clicking the link in the description. Your donation will help us create more great content each week. Please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Thank you so much for your support. Hello and welcome to No Rest for the Weekend. I'm Jason Godby, and today on the program, joining me via Zoom, we've got the writer-director of the new indie feature, All the World is Sleeping, Mr. Ryan Lason. Welcome, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Well, uh, thanks for uh, you know, thanks for doing this all the way uh, from the, the West Coast. So we do have a lot to talk about. I want to talk about the movie, uh, so I want to get right to it. But first, I want to talk to you about you. Tell me a bit about your background. How did you get into this whole uh, show business thing? What's your origin story? Honestly, I feel like I spent most of my life either in a movie theater or watching movies. You know, I remember like being a little kid and going to the theaters with like my mom and grandma and watching everything from like Legend to Lost Boys to Die Hard and having those films kind of like captivate me from a young age. And then like, as I grew up, it was probably, you know, the same typical story of most filmmakers. It's you're in the backyard with any friend that you can find, you know, making your own little movies, which nowadays, if I was doing that with the the technology that you have with cameras, I'd probably be taking those, you know, home movies and trying to submit them to film festivals. But, you know, back in those days on the little mini, you know, Super 8 cameras, it's you're just trying to get the best VHS quality as you can. So, you know, I I did that, you know, went to college, took any film school or or any film class that I could in New Mexico. But it was kind of before the uh, the boom happened out there. So everything was kind of a little antiquated, but still enough to kind of get the the, the base of knowledge. So therefore, when I graduated, it was like, okay, now I have to jump onto a film set and, you know, see what happens and try to like learn from that and grow. And right around that point, uh, films started to come into New Mexico. So there was uh, this Val Kilmer, Matthew Modine, like straight to DVD movie that was like beginning to be filmed. And I had a friend that was working on it as a, uh, a travel coordinator. So I hit her up and I was like, hey, can you try to get me an interview on this movie? I have to work in film. So she got me this interview. First time ever going in, you know, to a film set interview and uh, no idea what to do. So like on my resume, I literally wrote like, uh, key grip, you know, uh, director, the script supervisor. So the guy that was interviewing me was like, all right, so this kid's coming in. Well, you, you think you're going to be what? The, the key grip, the, the director, the script supervisor. But uh, fortunately, he uh, hired me to be an intern on uh, the first film. And I was able to kind of parlay that into like two years of just working on every film set that I could. Studying under like Kevin Smith and Michelle Gondry, Ron Howard all like my idols to be able to like, see like, how do they talk to actors? How do they, you know, uh, communicate with their like DPs and like set up their shots. And after a certain period, you know, I was uh, just ready to do my own films. So I jumped off the diving board and uh, I was like, I'm going to start directing my own movies. Tell me about this picture. You got all the world is sleeping and you got uh, Melissa Barrera in it. uh, Who's a, a budding young star. Um, but kind of, can you give me some background? Like, tell me kind of what happens in the movie and how it came to be. Yeah. So the film is, uh, it's about struggle, 
You know, it's about trying to survive in a world that's just kind of putting you down. And it follows a mother who's also struggling with her addiction while trying to surface for a daughter. But then what happens when her daughter's taken away? Can she fight to be able to get, you know, her daughter back and get herself back on her own feet? And uh, the film came about in kind of an interesting way. Um, I directed a, a movie several years ago, uh, a romantic drama called The Dust Storm. And uh, when that finished up, you know, I was kind of just like waiting for the next movie to happen. You know, I spent years of like pitching this studio, you know, like this type of film, this other studio, a different film. And just, you know, the, the constant, you know, like Hollywood rejections of like, we love this, but uh, not right now. So I was at a point where I was just kind of defeated with not being able to get my second movie made. And uh, I got a call from this producer named Ian Simon and a nonprofit in New Mexico called Bull Futures. And they're a nonprofit that basically they do a uh, um, culture shift work for women and by women of color in New Mexico. And uh, they, they reached out and asked me if I would be interested in coming back to Albuquerque and listening to uh, seven women that have basically fought and continue to fight against addiction and hearing their stories and uh, making a media project off of it. And when they said that, I had no idea what they meant by a media project, but I was like, sure, I'll come back home, you know, an excuse to get back to New Mexico and uh, get some green chili, I'm down. But when I got there, it was definitely um, different than I, I would have expected. You know, I spent months of like, being able to uh, hear these women's stories and they, they trusted me with like all their experiences, their lives, you know, like I got to meet a lot of their families and just understand where they came from. And then with their kind of like permission and their trust in me, I went back and they asked me to basically create a script off of their experiences. So I wrote a movie that um, kind of created all their uh, lives into one. And that script became All the World is Sleeping. And when that was done, you know, I brought it back to the, the nonprofit and to the women just to make sure this is, you know, something that like they felt highlighted their voices and that they were excited about getting out into the world. And uh, they loved it. And they decided to like, OK, let's turn this into a film. And then that got the balls rolling and we were able to make a movie. It sounds like this kind of of a lengthy development process. Like, how long did it take you to get from like development stage to actually, you know, finish the picture? It was about three to four months of just kind of being there with the uh, the the women who inspired the film, and then from that, it was probably about six months of like writing the script and kind of going back and forth before we uh, actually went into production. So from the script development stage, it wasn't too long, but from the point that we finished the film to where we are today, it was definitely a journey because we shot right before the pandemic and then boom, the world shut down. So we, uh, we had to do all of our post editing, color sound, you know, the entire mix, like during, you know, the pandemic. And then once we finally completed the film, we kind of had to wait until everything opened up again to be able to do the film festival tour. And then even after that point, so we completed that last year and the film was ready to go out into release. And we kept getting all these deals, like everybody wanted the film on their like streaming sites or, you know, to release it like somewhere into the, the digital ether. But it was really important for us to be able to reach the widest audience that we could. So we fought to get a theatrical release. 
So it, it took a bit, but finally uh, the company Gravitas like hit us up and they're like, we believe in this film. We really love it. We want to commit to a theatrical release of the film. And they gave it to us. And now March 17th, we're, we're coming out. You know, compared to some of the other stuff coming out, you know, like right around St. Patrick's Day and, and, and this month in general. So you've got things like Scream 6 and Shazam 2 and, you know, you, you've got these big blockbuster films. It's, it's quite a hurdle, I think, for, for a movie like this. You know, how, so how, why am I coming to see this instead of going to see one of those blockbusters? You know, as, as I think the question, like, what, what's the, what's the, why do I need to see this picture in a theater? Yeah, that's, I mean, honestly, that was a big hurdle that we had to even get in it into theaters because it's at a time where like most of the screens are being taken up by Cree 3 and as you mentioned, Scream 6 and Shazam 2. So to be able to get like a little indie film that has like this unflinching look at addiction into actual movie theaters was an uphill battle. And I think too, like, I always think of it as there's room in cinema for all genres. You know, that's what it was like for me, like growing up, going to the theaters, you had these like hard hitting dramas. And I think it's important for those type of films uh, to be seen because it's, you know, in addition to like having a film that can entertain you, they, these type of movies also examine, you know, societal issues and humanity in a way that can be helpful. And like when I, when we made this, it was also for the, the line of empathy too, because it's, I think there's so much judgment going on in the world, you know, especially with the social media, with, you know, like uh, online, even too, like I see it in LA, you know, there's, there's people on the street corners talking to themselves, you know, there's people outside in tents, you know, they're homeless. And I think it's easy for people to like drive by them and to look at people like this and be like, oh, that would never be me. I would never make those choices to get to this point uh, of my life to become this. But all the world sleeping kind of opens up the curtain to uh, the experiences of, you know, addiction and people that are struggling with it to be like, hey, you know, like we're all a couple steps away from walking in someone else's shoes. So before you, uh, you know, point your finger or place judgment on somebody, let's actually get to know them because, you know, these people are our neighbors, our sisters, our mothers, our friends, and our colleagues. It's, you know, we're all like kind of here together. And this film not only like presents that, but it also has an incredible performance by Melissa in the role of Chama. She gives such a raw uh, emotional portrayal of this character that, you know, I would just say audiences go see her in this. She's incredible. It's so funny because we, uh, I just saw her in Scream 6. We just reviewed the film and we went to a, a screening of it, an early screening of it. Um, and I thought she was wonderful. I had, wasn't, I think she, you know, she was also in, in the Heights. Um, and you know, she's, she's becoming one of these like breakout stars. What was, how did you guys get her involved? And like, what was it like working with her? Yeah. And I think too, as you mentioned, like Scream 6 and, uh, in the Heights and Vita, and then now all the world sleep. And it's like, I think all those films show you the dynamic range of Melissa and the versatility that she brings to every role. And, uh, you know, I, I was very fortunate to uh, to cast Melissa, to be able to work with her, to be able to get to know her, because, I mean, she's the real deal. Like, as a person, she's warm and genuine and dedicated to, like, her friends and family. And then as an actress, she's has this, like, unflinching commitment, both physically and mentally, that she brings to, like, each role to really push herself. And this film, I mean, the the script got sent to her through our casting agent, Jessica Sherman, 
Melissa read it. Uh, she sparked to it. And then she kind of came in and auditioned for the film. And that, at that point, she was uh, she was just on the show Vita. So it was right before In the Heights. And, uh, you know, after well, the second I saw her in the room, it was that instant, like, you know, director moment of like, that is it. I know exactly who this person is. Because not only was I looking for like an actress that could like breathe life into, you know, the words on the script, but I needed someone that could be the composite of all seven of the true life women. And could, that could really do justice to who they are, to their voice, and to be able to portray it on screen. And um, Melissa just completely like nailed every aspect of it. Was there anything particular, because, you know, you're dealing with some tough subject matter. And that's kind of why I ask you, like, you know, how do you appeal this to an audience? Because I think there's a tendency now, especially with theatrical runs, that people kind of shy away from this material. Um, you know, they go for popcorn, they go to turn off their brain, so to speak. I imagine there were some tough moments to handle in the in the script. And, like, how did you, how were you able to, because obviously you're, not a homeless Hispanic woman, you know, like this is different from your experience, but how did you kind of negotiate those moments and, and get to some reality? I think what benefited uh, myself and the film was we had the real life inspirations. The women were on set with us. So it was, you know, obviously through prep and before we even rolled on the, the very, very first day of shooting, there's been, you know, numerous discussions and, you know, we we knew where we want to kind of bring the film to, you know, before that point. But on set every day when I frame up the any shot with the DP Michael Garcia, we'd have, you know, somebody there with us to be able to like consult and help guide us to be like, this is, you know, this feels real. This feels authentic. Or I don't think this would, you know, happen this way in this type of scenario. So like we would be able to like adjust and adapt on the day. And even with Melissa, who, you know, doesn't come from like uh, the same background as her character Chama, she was able to work alongside the the women before the film, you know, like went into production. And then on the day, every single day we shot, she was there with them just to make sure that everything she did felt authentic to their world. When you first screened it uh, at festivals, did, were you able to screen it for the the women first, or did they see it at a festival? Like, what was the what was the initial reaction when they saw it on the screen? That was probably the scariest day for me too. So we we screened it for the women first before we ever even like submitted to a festival or took it out. So we brought the film back to New Mexico and we did a private screen. We got everybody together you know, and uh, projected the film. And this is the first time outside of, you know, like a couple like rough cuts that they were able to give notes on, but the first time they're able to kind of see it, hear the sound mix, hear like the final like music, see the way like it's going to look once it goes out, you know, to the world. And for me, it was, you know, I was terrified because, you know, all I wanted to do was do right by them. You know, even if this movie was, you know, panned by critics, which I, I really hope doesn't happen. But as long as I got their thumbs up, I knew that like, at least I did, you know, my job. And uh, afterwards, there was, you know, tears and everybody was hugging everybody. And it was such like a beautiful moment, too. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it's like, obviously, like, I was the person behind, you know, the monitor calling cut in action. But we all made this film together. It was such like a collective effort between like everybody, you know, from the film community that came in every, you know, key department head and every even down to the PAs and up, but also with, you know, the women's, their stories, their lives, they were on set, the nonprofit, you know, like bring this, bring us all together. 
it was such a team effort and to have something that we all felt good about was definitely the best takeaway. When, so you did the festival circuit. Now you're going out to the theatrical run. Obviously, people in different parts of the country are going to react differently to this. But what has been or what do you feel like is the, the predominant reaction to the film in terms of, of, of audiences and things like that? Well, I think what's been wonderful, too, is when we did our uh, festival run, we basically did it across the United States, everywhere from like, you know, California to New York, Seattle, uh, New Mexico and everywhere in between. And uh, I was there at almost every single screening. So being able to like talk to people afterwards. And I think that the biggest response that or the I guess the most like heartwarming response is like so many people would come up to us afterwards and say like, hey, you know, like either I feel seen or like, Hey, that was, that was my mom on screen. That was my sister. You were able to do something that like felt honest to me that like I hadn't seen in other films on this subject matter. And that was kind of like the approach to even with the, the initial script writing process is there's, there's a lot of films out there about like addiction that tackle the subject matter, but we wanted to do something that felt a little bit more authentic to obviously the true life stories, but also that felt a little bit more unique for the, the filmmaking way too. And that's why the film is very kind of like non-linear. We cut in between like the past and the present. We're inside Chama's mind. We hear her thoughts. We see how sometimes those contradict uh, her actions, you know, in, in the, the movie world. We see, you know, like uh, all like the, the beauty and the grime of her life. So we want to kind of convey like that it's not all bad. It's not all good. But there's like this like nice like degree in the middle. And that's, you know human kind so this movie this movie's uh is out here in march you're going to be on on theater you can do a, a theatrical run and also uh vod what is next for you what you have do you have some projects lined up coming up yeah it's been kind of nice because you know for the last like years it's been nothing about all the world sleeping and it was just about getting into the finish line to get into theatrical so now that it's coming out I'm able to be like, oh, great, this is in the world. It's going to go off. It's going to find its audience. Now I'm able to kind of move on to the, the next thing. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've been directing a lot of commercials, but now I've been prepping the next theatrical film. So, uh, you know, we, we put two scripts out into the world uh, this month. Uh, we're attaching producers and financing. So the goal is hopefully uh, by the end of summer, we have everything locked and we'll be in production by the end of this year. If people don't catch it in theaters, you guys are going to be on digital platforms. Is there a website or someplace people can uh, follow the movie, the progress, and find out where, where it is online? So besides being in theaters, it's uh, streaming on every platform, you know, iTunes, Amazon, you name it. And then you can obviously go to alltheworldsleeping.com, go to Gravitas, you know, to find out more about the, you know, where it's being released. You can find me on social media, connect. I'm always here to say hi. What, what's, your, uh, what's your social media handle? My name is Ryan Lason. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for doing this. And next time you have a project, you're welcome back anytime. Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully I'll see you soon. And that's all we got for you today. Thanks so much for taking this trip down the rabbit hole. For more of our content, including our movie reviews, you can always find them on our website, norestfortheweekendpodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app or on YouTube, youtube.com slash getbehindtherabbit. I'd like to thank my guest, Ryan Lason, and our sponsor, JMR Rentals, for Behind the Rabbit Productions. I'm Jason Godby. Thanks for joining us. See you next time.